0: The uptime punks again and another episode of us. I know some of you have asked us yourselves, when are these guys gonna be back? Well, we've been working on inviting Boris Johnson to the podcast. Um, instead, we got Christian Parino, he's the chief sustainability officer at Open UK. Um, I guess it will be fun still, and maybe a bit more, let's say, substantial
1: than if we no, got I, Boris I, Johnson. I mean, let, let, let's just take it as well. right. <laughs> sorry, so. First of all, we're here because Amanda has invited us to COP26 and we're going to make a series with a couple of interviews in the coming weeks, which is going to be leading up to the event, which is going to be on the 11th of November in Glasgow and yeah Boris Johnson unfortunately is not making it to the interview Um, so that's already a sad part (laughs) but we have many other nice speakers lined up but I think before we start with the speakers in the coming weeks we need to start with the source and this is where we come to Christian and Amanda and it's like um, yeah Open UK sustainability Um, what does a sustainability officer do
2: I'm going to roughly assume that you're targeting me with that question, even though I look nothing and sound like nothing, like Boris. I did almost knock him off a staircase once many years ago, that's why I do have contact.
3: That's Uh, funny, do we all have Boris Johnson stories? Because he almost (laughs) ran me over. He almost knocked me over on his bike once.
2: So he almost knocked both of us over. Interesting, we should compare notes. So what does a chief (laughs) sustainability officer do and specifically one at Open UK. I mean, if you look at open technology and its principles of collaboration, decentralization, the creation of collective equity, transparency, circularity, accessibility, these are key attributes of open source. They also happen to be key attributes and key enablers for to achieve the sustainable development goals. So So at a highest level possible, the chief sustainability officer at Open UK is to promote the use of open technology to enable sustainable development. Now we have specific projects within that very broad realm, and one of them is the one that we will be presenting at COP26, uh, which is a blueprint for the carbon negative data center for the future.
1: Okay. And how does this look like? The, I mean, Google, Google is doing the 24-7, carbon-free. Let's buy, some, let's buy some electricity from some windmills in Ireland or something. And then we write it off and it becomes a green data center. Um, but how do you see the blueprint for a carbon-free data center?
2: Well, that, that's a good question and a perfect example, because what you just described is relevant, but it's a small fraction of the overall solution. And that's really what we found. I mean, on the one hand, we see the problem. You know, we, you know, the SHIFT project has estimated that global ICT, uh, GHG emissions are about, and by ICT, I mean the, you know, the comms industry is 4% today, and it's meant to double by 2025 to 8%. So this is an industry that's going in the wrong direction. What's the backbone of that industry? It's data centers. So that's the reason why we decided to pick this as one of the first you know, major impact interventions that we do. But we're not reinventing the wheel. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pockets of um, innovation going on, including the example that you just gave, um, but they're happening, in, they're happening in silos, right? There's no transparency, there's no collaboration, mm-hmm. there's no uh, connecting the dots essentially. And there's really no systems approach to it where you look at every aspect of it and not just a narrow slice of it so it, when you do that so the first thing we had to do is build a consortium of expertise because you know when you when you uh slice the solu- the, the system solution you need expertise around buildings physical building construction you need expertise around energy that itself is multifaceted, right? There's the where are you sourcing it from, to how are you, how efficient are you when you're consuming, scope three or scope two. This is where it right, is. where are you in the journey to be 100% renewable? Because that's not something you could just do from one day or the other. What are you doing while you're in that journey in terms of of you know offsetting? You know, how are you selecting your offsetting? Because that can get mm. dodgy very quickly. You know, then another bucket of expertise, you know, hardware and software, you know, architecture, um, you know, how circular uh, is your hardware operation, can you repair locally, can you, um, you know, redirect uh, the heat from those servers to a better purpose, for example, in Mm. back into the grid to uh, provide cheaper energy to underprivileged communities you know there's expertise required around networks you know we're we're seeing two trends that go well together the the trend of office buildings you know because of remote working not being as populated but also at the same time uh with 5g and edge networks the requirement to to being closer to the end user so let's start using refurbished buildings you know to um, you know, not use new materials and new builds all the time, but also to be closer to the communities that you I mean, can provide yeah, benefits to.
1: I think best example of that is OVH Cloud. They use in France old buildings yeah. uh, where they put the data exactly. centers in. But and for the heat heat reuse, sorry, um, it's like Green Mountain for example because they have the lobster farms. Yeah, um, that's actually quite a cool one.
0: That's, that's a really cool one. But just <laughs> just one thing maybe because I'm always I'm always like in my head, open source is kind of for me. Still a software topic, but everything yeah. you just said is more or less a hardware topic. It's not if you can make this distinction. It's actually, it's actually so, how is then. it a hardware, yeah. Where does the open source bit come in? in all can this?
3: I do a little bit on this? So, uh, I Please. guess I instigated the blueprint, but as you've discovered before, one of the, the things with me is I know a little bit about a lot of things and it probably makes me quite dangerous. And I was talking to a lot of different people who had the different components that are Mm -hmm. needed, whether that's software, whether it's hardware, whether it's data, whether it was the infrastructure. And they were all telling me about different things they were doing that Mm -hmm. clearly needed to be stitched together.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And we've we've called it the blueprint. Um, Christian and I one day were having a chat and we we were talking about how we were bringing this patchwork together that we were stitching together. Mm -hmm. And I mistakenly said patchwork kilt instead of patchwork quilt. So it's become known as the patchwork kilt because it's going to be unveiled at COP26. And what we've done is we've brought all those pieces together and identified where there's holes in that patchwork that need to be filled. And we've gone off Mm -hmm. to look for those. And it Mm -hmm. won't be a completely perfect solution. There might still be some sort of moth-eaten holes in our kilt, but we're going to hand over over time to a foundation who will build the whole community piece. Yes. And... You know, I've said I'm a little bit dangerous. I'm not technical enough, but I can see where things are needed. And one of the the reasons, Christian's very modest and it's hard to get him to talk about himself, but one of the reasons that he is running this is that he's worked in open source for many years in a software company. We worked there together. Canonical, right? Exactly. So he really understands things. Canonical was world-leading in containerization and, you know, shifting virtual machines, and that's the kind of experience that Christian has and the understanding. So before he talks more about the software, I think Mm -hmm. it's important to contextualize that he's got that software understanding and he's been an entrepreneur around sustainability for many years, probably more than he would like to remember. But uh, he really has this deep expertise and understanding. And we're lucky that we have partners like Open Compute and IT Renew who we've been able to go to on the hardware side. But Christian, maybe you want to talk a little bit more to the whole software as well.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, from a, if you look at the patchwork quilt, as, as, as you like to call it, and I, I usually do call it quilt, there's six elements. There's building, there's energy, there's hardware, there's network, there's operations, and there's regulatory, right? Across all that, you need circularity, and none of that can happen without open technology. And by open technology, we talk about hardware, we talk about software, we talk about data. Now, obviously, when we talk about data, this is all about transparency, making sure there's appropriate reporting and information sharing to make these connections possible, to share the experiences, for example, of the hyperscalers who may be doing some great things around you know, buildings or, mm. or, or racks. Uh, and making them available to smaller data centers or government data centers who don't currently have access to that know-how. Um, so I think, you know, hardware to me is one bucket. You know, and, and, and the architecture we, behind that bucket is very much enabled by software. But then across every single bucket, you need transparency. And that's a combination of software and data. And I think it even goes, Amanda and I talk about this often, you know, when we talk about open, I say open, I don't even say open technology, because there's the principles of collaboration and decentralization and collective equity, which are attributes of technology, but they're also attributes of an approach that requires working together with organizations who aren't used to sharing.
0: Yes. Where's the interest? Um, I know we talked with Amanda about this when we did our first open source episode with Open UK, and she also talks talked about, you know, the, the legal um side of open source. But um yeah, w- where's the interest in like sharing? What's what's what what is what is good about it, but what is also difficult about it? So where are the drivers? Where are maybe the how do you say the 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 brakes? Um um, hinders of, of this kind of um, dynamic, you know, of sharing stuff and telling everybody, oh no, we are doing this, we are fully transparent. Because big tech is not always necessarily known to be very transparent, or at least not in all regards. So how 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 do you approach this?
2: Well, first of all, there's a common goal, right? You know, we're supposed to drastically reduce emissions by twenty thirty five. Companies yeah. are increasingly being uh, valued and measured, and you know, according to their sustainability credentials, which you know, mm-hmm. more often than not aren't proper credentials. Yeah. So, and, and the argument that I think is a dead argument, but still is made is you know, that path is expensive. Well, this is one case where actually following that path makes your entire operation cheaper
1: mm-hmm.
2: because, the, to the same degree that we're trying to achieve 80%. Uh, decarbonization we're also trying to achieve 90 percent dematerialization Mm -hmm. which inherently means a cheaper infrastructure to invest Mm -hmm. in to maintain to support Uh, and obviously it's an infrastructure that lasts for longer because this is all about keeping materials in use for as long as possible because that's what sustainability is so that's also you know more cost effective so I think that's the motivation is do the thing that's going to keep you in life as a business, because if you're not sustainable, you're not gonna be in business in five or 10 years.
1: No, that's, that's clear. It's like, that's why even companies like Audi are announcing now they're not gonna do any petrol or diesel cars anymore, because basically, they know that if they, do, if they don't do it, they're gonna be running out of business, basically. Um, but tricky question from my side. Do you think it is even possible to build a scope-free data center? Ooh.
2: So when you think of, so carbon negative, it doesn't mean you don't create emissions. It means that you're creating uh, emissions that are capable of being supported by the atmosphere. So when you hear things like net zero, it doesn't mean you're producing zero. It means you're producing within the capabilities of the atmosphere uh, to to absorb, right? Right. So when you start talking about negative, you, you then talk about things that are above that line Things like giving back to the community, things like, you know, know, offsetting, things like, you know, circular model around heat recapture, circular model around, you know, we just added one bit to the blueprint, which is about, you know, liquid heating, liquid cooling, turning into warm water back into the grid. So I think that's when the the, the negative uh, Mm -hmm. begins to happen. So let's not confuse zero emissions produced with that zero carbon negative there's always going to be emissions produced they just have to be within the level the atmosphere can absorb
0: do you think it's do you think it's um like when you assemble and build a data center until it's up and until the day it's up and running like until you switch it on let's say that until this date you can make it as carbon yeah, do you think that the, the, this process can be carbon neutral as well? Because there's always going to be server racks and rare earth materials and whatever not uh, needing to be sourced and transported and assembled to be on site for a, for a, for a data center. And that's, not, that's, that, that's, that's inherently a carbon output, right? You're not, you're not giving back to the community by that. It's only once the data center is running that you can start giving back to the community by, I don't know, what uh, heatwaves...
2: Correct. Uh, so, I mean, stuff. the key thing is if you're building something that is circular in nature, that is keeping mm. materials in use for as long as possible. And even mm. the very first thing you move, the building infrastructure, is yeah. actually refurbishing existing building infrastructure. Okay. There's absolutely a case where you're being you know, uh, emissions conscious from the very first step you're taking in building that. You know, the equivalent would be new materials, new locations, new buildings, and that's much less um, carbon sensitive than than what we're talking about in the blueprint. And and Amanda mentioned this before, I mean, everything that goes into the blueprint, you know, comes with a requirement of being able to point to an existing case study with existing evidence. All right, So when we, we talk about figures, the figures are backed up by existing case studies. It's the requirement. I mean, anyone and can contribute, but they need to provide case studies and evidence behind that to be included in the blueprint.
3: Exactly. And maybe we should talk a little bit about where the blueprint is going to go over time and then talk about the, the bigger picture, because the, the event is the blueprint is going to be, I think, an hour of our day.
2: Exactly. So the I think the journey of the blueprint is Open UK has obviously taken the lead in creating this consortium of different mm-hmm. organizations that have expertise across the six buckets that I described. Um, you know, we've been able to come up with what we believe is, you know, the version point one of the blueprint It's going to have gaps. But the blueprint is a living document, you know, it will be presented at COP26 as a living document that will be hosted by the Eclipse Foundation. The Eclipse Foundation, uh, which obviously has massive experience in managing large-scale community-based um, projects.
3: I think that's really important because we've sort of been the catalyst and instigators and we spent six mm-hmm. months pulling everyone together and Christian's done a brilliant job of creating a uh, a very short document which confuses people because it, it's often harder to create something that's short it takes a lot more effort and work just to give them what they need rather than pages and pages of documentation yeah. and now as we we sort of will do the big reveal at COP, and then we will hand it over to eclipse whose expertise is in running communities and projects and hopefully we'll see it evolve and build over time
1: so what kind of companies are involved in this blueprint. Like, give us an example. Or who
0: do you want to be involved? That's not oh, already. Yeah. Involved.
1: Or, yeah. And where did you or oh, this is a tricky one? <laughs> where where do you wish you would have got more support in creating this document? Did you find some people you reached out to them and you didn't get anything back from them where you thought this would be normally somebody that should be supporting something like this resistance in the industry, maybe?
3: I haven't experienced that. Maybe Christian, who's been dealing with more of the nitty-gritty has, I find that people are surprisingly collaborative and that there is a shift in corporate thinking, probably because of who I speak to and who I know, moving more to trying to understand how to collaborate together and understanding the sort of collective outputs are going to be beneficial for everyone. So Christian, I don't know if you've had more. Yeah, from my
2: perspective, if I look at the blueprint from a bird's eye view, there's certainly areas where we see much less information, but that's not reflective on organizations' willingness to contribute. It's more reflective on, you know, what the state of the, uh, where investment has gone into. So there's a lot of information that went in the space of circular hardware, for example, and open architectures for software and virtualization. There's a lot of stuff there. You know, there's stuff, you know, there's a lot of stuff around energy you know yes. we can we can talk about the full life cycle of energy no matter where you are in the 100 percent renewable energy transition mm-hmm. then when we talk about regulatory and regulatory is important because you know if you look at this from an emissions only perspective and this is not an emissions only problem mm-hmm. you know there's scope one scope two and scope three now scope and one and think. two which is you know your purchased uh energy mm-hmm. and then your internal operation Usually, accounts to up to ten percent of the overall emissions of a data center operation. All the rest is Scope Three, which is the supply chain. Yeah. Unless there's regulatory interventions that require transparency across the supply chain, and govern them themselves, governments themselves, as huge consumers of data center facilities, only source from transparent supply chains. You know that's where I think we're, we have a gap. But that gap isn't because of an unwillingness to engage. It's more for more of a. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't. You know, there's no case studies or evidence that that we can use. So that's so that's a different type of work for the for the blueprint okay. project. That's about bringing the right constituents to the table. And if you look at the audience at the uh, COP26, you know, it's there's a lot of government, yeah. local authorities, there's industry, there's prosumers, uh, there's academia. So we are making this digestible to a very broad set of constituents
3: you've been talking to john laban prosumers that's one of his favorite words right um i like it too is is john going to be there yeah of course he is yeah and I'm yeah. sure you can have him yeah. in the cops. I mean, see, I'm sure he'll have plenty to say to you.
2: Oh, I would love to have him.
0: Yeah, with his green jumper. His legendary <laughs> I mean, green jumper. Yeah.
2: John's been a massive contributor and thought leader on yeah, this blueprint. So, yeah. yeah.
3: Absolutely. But, and so we, the, we should say, OPC's... sorry Sorry to interrupt you, Tim. We should say that we've actually, so the, the, the whole venue is being mm-hmm. donated to us by Federated Hermes. Um, and Microsoft and Red Hat have been sponsors as well. So we've had funding okay. from both of them too. So there are some big mm-hmm. players engaged in it.
1: I mean, Microsoft does great work. I mean, they had, did this um, Nautica project. I think it was called Nautica, right?
2: It yeah. The data center yeah. in the ocean. Um, Didn't we want to a
0: bring a... it
1: to Frankfurt?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that, that's an element that's, for example, in the blueprint. You know, a lot oh. of the projects oh. that you've raised are actually in the blueprint.
0: So it's, okay. it's 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 actually.
1: So do, we know the industry. There we go. We do. Uh, no. Also,
0: <laughs> we we talk a little bit about where this place, uh, uh, where this blueprint is is hopefully going to end. Like I I guess it will hopefully end up being something like a go to for, for a roadmap. Yeah, a roadmap, or just like. A, a bible reading i don't know if the, the, the bible is a bit of an of an overused word but a uh, uh, commandment, an industry yeah commandments yeah there if you want to stay in the, the in, commandments of the industry
2: to, yeah, to the same degree go. that sustainable yeah. require development has 17 sustainable development goals which aren't your step-by-step guide to how to do things it's just the things that you need to make sure you're paying attention to yeah, yeah. this is what the blueprint does It's. But, it outlines right. in a very visual way everything you need to consider when you're building a data center. Because as you and said at the beginning of this call, you're going to have some doing one thing very well and ignoring the rest.
3: And then you go yeah. back to the digital principles. And if I get this right, i got to remember I've not been well. I think it's digital principle six. It's my cop out on numbers. Um, notice my mm. use of the word Cop um digital principle six is the use of open right and that's very broad it's about open standards it's about open um data open source software and it probably takes the broadest possible definition of open that you could get and that feeds into how you build sustainability which is the big picture that we're looking at
2: yeah
0: so tell me a bit more uh, about how Microsoft and Red Hat are, are involved uh, as sponsors of, of, the, of the... So they've
3: been fiscal sponsors, but they've also been contributing to the project and giving some guidance as we've gone through it. We've worked a bit with Christian.
2: Yeah, as you would expect, a lot of contribution in the... Um, specifically in the hardware and architecture side. Mm-hmm. Uh, some on the building side, you know, some on the, you know, heat redirect side. So um very very valuable okay
0: cool
1: Right, I think we don't want to give too much away. Yes, I I, I
0: think we we should leave it at that. And um, can we tell
3: people just a little bit about what the event is because we're yes. only going to have the hour, as I've mentioned already, around the blueprint. And there's obviously a whole. What day are the being remaining filled. eight hours
1: about? Because the yeah. schedule is quite long.
3: I saw yeah, it's pictures. going to be a long podcast. No, <laughs> what we've got long. is basically it's uh, Open Technology for Sustainability Day, hosted by Open UK, sponsored by Red Hat and Federated Hermes. And we have uh, 10 to four of content that will be streamed live from our main dome. The village that we'll be in will be a little festival within the security cordon. Um, We will have between 100 and 200 people there on the day as well in a a live face-to-face event, which will have a couple of other streams that we will share afterwards as much as we can, but won't be live streamed. And we're going to be looking at how open technology whether that's software hardware or data is essential to sustainability. If you want to create something that's sustainable, in my view, at least, it needs to be open. And we're Mm -hmm. going to look at how businesses collaborate. Um, We're going to look at how the energy sector is being opened up in the UK. And we're going to look a bit at how everyone can learn from open technologies.
2: Including (inaudible) early education. We're combining coding courses with sustainability courses all in one go and Mm -hmm. demonstrating how they tie together.
0: That's great, I loved,
1: I loved Are there the any highlights in terms of um, speakers?
3: Yeah, so we, we were joking before this that we have some very high profile speakers who were waiting to find out if we've got or not. And there's a lot of TBC, but we know that we have Lord Maud, uh, Francis Maud, who created GDS in the UK mm. about a decade ago. He's been a real thought leader in this space and he's been incredibly gracious and helpful to Open UK in the last year. So we're super excited that he's going to open the day up for him, for us rather. And there's a, a few surprises coming on stage that I think people will be pleased to see.
0: Hey, such so as
1: Paul Hammer and Tim Schornel. <laughs> <laughs> in, um, yeah, yeah.
3: in the cop seat. Yeah, in the cop seat.
1: People don't even know what the cop seat is yet. They don't. But, uh, mm-hmm. We're not going they to get give the it cop away. seat. yeah Yeah, you have to come um if people still want to get involved should they reach out to your you and your team amanda or yeah
3: if they they we will tomorrow hopefully have live on our website openuk.uk backslash sustainability information about the event and the digital sign up will go live if not tomorrow early next week but keep an eye on that space
1: all right perfect thank you so much both of you And I'm looking forward to the little mini-series we're going to have coming up in the coming weeks. So, um, yeah, Um, stay sustainable. (laughs) That's all I can say. Thanks. Thanks for
2: having us. Bye-bye. Thank Thank you. you.